Hi there. My name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We are so glad that you found our content online. We would love it if you would connect with us at heightschurch.org connect. And we'd love to see you in person. We worship every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks for joining us. I want to invite you to take a Bible. Let's go to Luke chapter 9 this morning. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And uh, I'll meet you in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 in a few moments. I um, want to welcome you again. If you're a guest with us, my name is Lee. It's good to be back in here with you guys uh, this week. Pastor Jonathan finished up our Ephesians series last week, did a great job uh, talking about uh, Ephesians chapter 6. So if you missed last week, you can always catch a service or a sermon on our YouTube channel. So just go to Heights Baptist Church Alvin on your on YouTube. You can find us there or wherever uh, you get a podcast on your phone, whatever app that is, uh, you can always catch up there on the podcast app as well. Uh, last week, I was with the two and three-year-olds uh, with Jackie Vandiver and Lila Marcel, and we had 10 of them, and we ended up with 10 of them, and I think it was the same 10. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> Man, we had a blast. I really appreciated serving alongside of them and, and uh, uh, had a good time uh, with the two and three-year-olds. So I'm, I'm glad to be back with you guys um, this morning uh, as well. This happened to me in seminary. Um, maybe something that's happened to you. I grew up going to church. I don't, I don't know, many of you may have grown up going to church or this may be something new for you in growing to church, but I grew up going to a church my mother grew up going to uh, that her mother and parents were helped uh, start back during the uh, 40s. And so I, I was there pretty much each week. We were just kind of one of those families uh, that was always there. The church had a balcony. My mother sang in the choir. And so in the balcony, if you're kind of looking at the stage, the first pew in the balcony was our seats. Right? That's where we were pretty much each week. Uh, if I ever came to my dad and said, hey, dad, I don't want to go to church today, his response was, are you sick? No. You have any bones broken? No. Do you want to eat lunch later? <laughs> yes then you're going to church because people who go to church eat lunch in our house. People that don't go to church don't eat lunch later. All right, I'm there. So then uh, about the age of 24, 23, God called me to be a pastor. I was a high school basketball coach, perfectly happy doing what I was doing. And uh, Lord said, you know, I've got another plan for your life. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to stand up in front of people and talk to people about Jesus. And I said, no, I don't like people and I don't like crowds. This is going to be a problem, Lord. I'm not going to do this. And for about a year, I fought that call, fought that call. And then finally, I was like, this isn't going away. I'm going to go be a pastor. All right, this, will be, this will be interesting to see how this shapes out. You know? And so then I am in my first seminary class, systematic theology. The professor starts out the class. And he says, the importance that you guys need to learn is how to be alone with the Lord and have a quiet time. Protect your quiet time. Do your quiet time. And I leaned over to the guy that was sitting next to me, who became a friend and a guy who discipled me. His name was Mark. I said, Mark, what's a quiet time? And he looked at me and he was like, are you serious? And I said, is that like we're supposed to sit in a room quietly for like 10 minutes? Like, what's a quiet time? He goes, it's where you read your Bible and pray. 
You just have a time alone with the Lord. Read your Bible and pray. Oh, Mark, how do I read my Bible? Are you serious? Yeah, I don't really know how to read my Bible by myself. Now, here I am, 24, in a seminary class, learning to be a pastor. I don't know if I have instilled a lot of confidence in you at this point, or I've lost confidence or what. But my point was, Mark finally goes, we'll talk later. And Mark taught me how to read the Bible. Mark taught me how to do some things like pray. And and over time, I learned this. Nobody beside Mark had ever really sat me down and said, here's what you do. Now, the expectation always was, here's what you do. But no one showed me, well, here's what you do. (laughs) No one had showed me how to do that. And I think a lot of times in our churches, people come in and we say, well, I've been reading the Bible for years. You should read the Bible like I should read the Bible. Or I've been praying for years. You should know how to pray like I know how to pray. Or I've shared the gospel for years. You should know how to share the gospel like I know how to share the gospel. And instead, what we ought to do is not so much expect people to know what we know and do what we do, but to help them along in learning those things. And so we're starting this new series called Called, Making Disciples Who Are Going to Make Disciples. And what we're unveiling for you as part of our Love and Lead 2030 initiatives, our Love and Lead 2030 plan is to equip you to reach your community with the good news of Jesus so that all people may have life with Jesus Christ. And we have six different initiatives in that plan, but one of those initiatives is to individually disciple 350 people in the next seven years to take people like me sitting in a seminary class who never knew how to read the Bible or pray or understand all what all this was about and to be a Mark like Mark was to me and to help someone take that next step of faith, just to help them continue to grow along. So over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna define for you what a disciple is. We're gonna show you how we're going to start making those disciples and we're gonna invite you into that process because here's the thing I firmly believe. One of the greatest things you can do in your Christian life is to make a disciple. It's one of the greatest things you can do is just join Jesus who has invited you to make disciples to make a disciple. I mean, one of the greatest things you can ever do is that, join Jesus on that mission. If you're able to stand, if you don't mind, uh, let's read Luke chapter 9 verses 23 through 27 It's going to be our our text this morning because this text really, Jesus shows us what a disciple is. Verse 23, Luke writes, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever would lose his, or excuse me, verse 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits himself? Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, truly there are some of you standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Father, it is hard to put ourselves out there and make disciples. It's easier to just be consumers, but you tell us to be givers. 
You call us into this. You empower us through your Holy Spirit. And so my prayer over the next several weeks as we look at how we are to make disciples who make disciples, that no matter the age of the person, teenagers to adults, uh, we'll do that. We'll help somebody take that next step of faith that they desperately need to take in their life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, Jesus in this passage gives you a definition of what a disciple is and an invitation to join him on that. You know, what's interesting about what's taking place in Luke chapter 9, if you just go up a few verses earlier, in verse 18, Jesus has got the disciples around him, the crowds around him. He has fed the 5,000. And Jesus says, you know, who do, who do people say that I am? Who, who, who do people say that I am? And the disciples in this conversation say, well, some in verse 19, some say you're Elijah. Uh, some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist. Well, then in verse 20, Jesus says, well, no, who do you all say that I am? Peter rightly answers the question in verse 20. He says, you are the Christ. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're the one that we have been waiting for, praying for, hoping for. That's who you are, Jesus. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the Savior. Jesus then says, Peter, you've answered correctly. Now I'm going to tell you how I am going to save you. Then in verses 21 through 22, he says, we're going to go to Jerusalem. There I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. And then I'm going to be raised from the dead. And it's through that work that not only did the disciples find salvation in Jesus, but we find salvation in Jesus when we place our faith and our trust in his finished work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus says, here's how I'm going to save you. I'm going to die on a cross for you. I'm going to be raised from the grave, be able to show you that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God. Then Jesus does something where he gives an invitation to follow him, and then he defines what it looks like to follow him. See, notice what he says in verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I want you to notice that invitation at the beginning of verse 23. If anyone would come after me. You know what the word anyone in Greek means? Just that, anyone. Fancy Greek word meaning anyone. Use guys, you all, y'all, right? Anyone wants to come after me, right? Anyone. Anyone means anyone. You, you might say, well, wait a minute. You don't, God, if God only knew what I have done, there's no way he would save me. Well, hey, he knows what you've done. He's God, right? I mean, like, there's nothing you're going to do that's ever going to catch God by surprise, right? That would be a bad thing, and I don't want to worship that God, amen, right? So there's, there's never a sin you're going to commit where God goes, Steve, what in the world did you just do? Right? Like, I'm over here getting a Dr. Pepper. I turn around and you do this? Like, what in the world? Like, so he knows what you've done. So you, you can't go, well, if you only knew what I've done, there's no way he'd forgive me. No, he wants to forgive you. He wants you to have a relationship with Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. If anyone, doesn't matter how long you've been out of church, doesn't matter how long you've been away from the Lord, anyone, Jesus is saying, if anyone wants to come after me, that word comes after me. If you want to have part with me, you want to have fellowship with me, you want to follow me, your translation says. 
If anyone wants to be saved, anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone wants to walk with me, anyone wants to be a part of me, anyone wants to have fellowship with me, that's the invitation that Jesus gives. He gives it to you, he gives it to our neighbors, he gives it to all the nations. If anyone wants to be a part of me, have a relationship with me. That's the invitation that goes out. But then he gives you a definition of here is a disciple. So Jesus is inviting you, if you wanna be a part of me, you wanna follow me, here's the terms. Here's what life's gonna look like. Here's what it's going to mean to be a disciple. Here are the markers of what should be in your life. He gives you three verbs. They're all kind of similar, a little bit different, but this is the way we are to live out our lives as disciples. Verse 23, if anyone would come after me, Notice the first action, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. That word deny, it's a strong word of negation in the Greek. So it's saying simply this, you're no longer in charge when you come to Jesus. Jesus is in charge. You come to faith in Christ, he's in charge. You got to switch out of the driver's seat and now you're in the passenger seat of life. He's not the co-pilot, he's the pilot. You come to faith in Jesus, you sign the title deed of your life over to him and you say, I'm following you, you're now in charge, I'm not. That's denying yourself. But that's hard, isn't it? Isn't that really hard? Yeah. Why? Because we live in a very self-promoting culture. What do we want to do? We want to build ourselves up. We want to promote ourselves. We want to show ourselves off. We want to push ourselves ahead of others. But what's Christ saying? He's saying, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You deny yourself. I'm in charge, Jesus says, not you. If you think about this, think about how Jesus denied himself for you. I mean, because sometimes we can get in this, I think, part of our lives where we go, what has God really ever done for me, you know, type thing. We get mad at him, like, what have you ever really done for me? We're, we're always this kind of, you know, what have you done for me lately type culture. We forget a lot of things that God has done. So you're upset, you're mad. What have you really ever done for me? Well, let, let's just go over how Jesus denied himself for you. Jesus denied himself all of glory's heaven, or all of heaven's glories and came to this earth. Just stop and think about that. I don't think we think about that enough. He laid aside all of the glory in heaven and he came to earth where we've had 20 straight days of 100 degree weather and no rain. Are you kidding me? I'm not leaving heaven for you. Not to come to that. Right? I mean, he came where the weather was bad, people were bad, food was bad. I mean, he left all of heaven's glory, denied himself of that to come for you. What about in his life? In his life, he denied his fleshly temptations. Jesus was tempted with sin just as we are, but yet never sinned. Denied himself in all of those temptations. Whenever his flesh as a human said, do this, it's okay, just sin. Jesus was like, no, I'm not doing that. Why, he did that for you. So then when he died on a cross, he was a sinless perfect sacrifice in order to pay the penalty for your sin. Man, he did that for you. How about this? 
while he was on a cross and Jesus was dying, Jesus denied himself protection from pain and death. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? In the gospels, when Christ is on the cross, there's people mocking him. And the people are like, well, all right, if he's really the Messiah, if he really says he is who he is, you know, well, why don't you just call down the angels from heaven to save him? Well, he could have done that. <laughs> he had the power to do that. He could have gotten off the cross. But what did he do? He said, no, I love you so much, I'm going to deny myself protection from pain and death for you. And so Christ now says, you want to come after me? You want to be my disciple? You want to be saved? You want to have a relationship with me? You have to deny yourself. You are no longer in charge of your life. I am. I, I'm the one that's going to lead you. Well, notice the second action point. He says in verse 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. But notice secondly, take up his cross daily. All right, take up his cross daily. Now, what is your cross? Because sometimes you'll hear people say this, my job is my cross. My boss is my cross. That physical pain is my cross. My spouse is my cross. <laughs> my kids are my cross, right? What's your cross? It's not all those things. Those things may be issues in your life and those things may be causing pain and stress and all that, but that, that's not your cross that Jesus is talking about here. The cross Jesus is talking about is this, you're willing as a disciple of Jesus to do whatever God calls you to do. You as a disciple of Jesus, you have died to yourself and you're alive for Christ. That's your cross. That's what it means. So when you're happy in your job, being a basketball coach for 10 years, doing what you've always wanted to do, and Jesus goes, I've got another plan for you, a better plan, that's the cross. I'm gonna die to my plan, I'm gonna go with your plan, God. When Jesus says, no, you may be not going to that college, you're gonna go be a missionary over here. All right, I'm gonna die to that self plan, and I'm gonna go where God calls me to go. The cross is being willing to do whatever God's calling you to do. It's death to self, it's coming alive for Christ. It's being willing to suffer. It's even being willing to die if it calls for that. That's the cross. See, I think the Apostle Paul understood that when Paul wrote these words in Galatians 2, verse 20. Paul wrote, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul understood that death to self. It is, I have been crucified with Christ. Is no longer I, Paul, who lives, but it's Christ that now lives in me. And the life I now live, Paul says, I live in the flesh by the faith in the Son of God. It's Jesus leading me. So you want to come after Christ. You want to be a disciple. Jesus says you deny yourself. You take up your cross daily. And notice at the end of verse 23 what he says, follow me. Follow me. This is a mark of the disciple of Jesus. It is a continual action. The way the verb is written in the Greek uh, in, in uh, follow me, it's a present imperative. It means it's continual. It's daily. It's the ongoing. See, we often measure the Christian life and how we started it. But really, the Bible message, you know, measures whether you're a believer in Jesus, not by just the way you start, but by the way you run and the way you finish. 
And so it's walking with Christ, it's living with Christ, it's not giving up, it's continuing to press on in your faith daily, it's following Jesus. See, I wrote this phrase down, and it's impossible to follow yourself and Jesus at the same time. That's what Christ is getting at. You want to be a disciple of mine, he says, it's going to be impossible to follow you and me at the same time. You want to follow me. You want to be a part of me. You want to be saved. You want to have life with me. A disciple is one that denies himself. Jesus is in charge, not me. Takes up his cross daily. I'm, I'm dying to myself. I'm alive for you, Christ. And I'm following you. I'm walking with you. And you know, just in all honesty, that's really hard to do. And that's why the way God has designed this is that living for Christ is not to be in just isolation, but it's in community. It's finding people that are going to help you take that next step of faith, help you continue to grow in your faith. And so if I can illustrate it with a picture, I think we've got a, a picture with you of, a, of people running an obstacle course. That's how I would describe discipleship to you, just right there. It's that person reaching down and helping someone else just take the next step, getting over that faith barrier in your life, getting over the wall that's blocking you. And when it's hard and it's tough, it's having that partner, that person saying, no, no, you're going to keep on running with me. We're going to keep on doing this. Now, we intentionally picked this picture because they are in uh, a race and notice they're both dirty and notice they're both uh, muddy. You know why? Because discipling people isn't always clean and nice, right? Sometimes it's really hard and it's really dirty and it's really messy, but that's what it is. See, discipling people one-on-one, it's that. It's just helping that person, that loved one, just take that next step of faith, be in that hand outreach to say, here, you're going to run with me as I'm running with Jesus. And you know, as a pastor, my heart beats a little quicker and I find a little bit more joy in what I do and what I get a chance to do with you all when I see that happening. You know, my intent as a pastor since day one of being here is never to have the biggest church in town. I really don't care if we're the biggest church in town or not. You know what I want? I want people to come to faith in Christ and I want the kingdom of God to grow. And so if that means we as a church continue to help new churches start, if we as a church help dying churches find life again and grow, amen to that. The kingdom of God's growing, amen? amen. I mean, if, if our church grows numerically, great. I'm not telling you to stop inviting people, keep inviting people, right? <laughs> but my heart is not we fill every seat. My heart beats for helping every man, woman, and child, and teenager find Jesus who I have found. Man, my, my heart gets excited when we do what we just did in that baptistry this morning, amen? Man, that, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. But here's the thing. We can't just see people come in and get saved and get dunked and drop them. <laughs> we gotta help them take the next step. We can't as a church just expect people to come in and go, you need to know what we know. You need to do what we do. You need to pray like we pray. You should be able to know at this stage of life what I know. No, 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 no. Those days are gone. We've got to stop expecting that. And we've got to make a turn. And our turn is this, 
that we're gonna help them take that next step of faith, no matter how hard that's gonna be at times, no matter how messy that's gonna be at times, no matter how difficult that's gonna be at times. Why? Because our goal is to get people to Jesus and see their lives radically changed. So here's some of our plans of how we're gonna do that. We're launching and part of our initiative in our Love and Lead 2030 is one-on-one discipleships. Uh, we have a couple of different groups here that we invite you into. First, we have our life groups. These are our big groups that meet on Sunday mornings. Our life groups really focus on content. They're studying the Bible together. They're focused on application. They're focused on caring for one another. And so we invite you into one of those big settings. That's the life group. We have different groups, co-ed, uh, men's groups, women's groups, all kinds of different ages, all kinds of different sizes. We invite you into those. Then we have groups called equip groups. These equip groups are our seasonal Bible studies. Our equip groups are smaller groups that meet for maybe six to eight weeks, depending on what we're doing. And those really focus on content and application. What we're launching is discipleship groups. Our discipleship groups are going to be one-on-one pairs. What you're going to focus on in our discipleship group is content, application, accountability, and multiplication. So what you're going to do is you're going to find somebody to say, okay, I want to walk you through this with me for four different sessions. And the book we're going to use is what's called Let's Run This Together. And this book was authored uh, by Nathan Peterson. Uh, It's also uh, spoken into by our ministerial staff. So this is something that we have been working uh, almost a year on that it's about to come out. uh, And we'll tell you how to buy that on Amazon and different things there. It's four different sessions. It is designed for anyone on any level of faith. You can walk somebody who's been a disciple of Jesus for 30 years through this or somebody that's been a disciple for three minutes. It's self-guided, so you as a disciple maker, you're able to pick it up and you're able to just go. We've got instructions, we've got ways for you to be able to help that out, we've got help videos built into all of this for you. And so what we're gonna ask you to do is to be a disciple maker. We're gonna also ask you at times to be discipled because sometimes the questions that we get is, well, should I be discipled or should I be a disciple maker? (laughs) And let me answer that very quickly. I'm gonna answer that more in depth in a couple of weeks, but let me just answer that. If you're already thinking, man, should I be discipled or should I be a disciple maker? Here's your short answer, yes, yes, okay? You know why? Lee still needs to grow in his faith. I still need to be discipled. I still have people that mentor me and disciple me and speak into my life. I need that. But also at the stage of my faith, I should be discipling. And so for some of you, you're going to sit there and you're going to go, listen, I don't know enough or I don't feel equipped enough. Here's the thing. You are never, ever going to know enough. You are never going to know enough the Bible. You are never going to feel equipped enough. Here's the question. Are you going to be obedient enough to do it? It's not a, do I know enough? Am I equipped enough? No, no, no. Am I obedient enough to Jesus to go disciple someone? Am I willing to allow the Holy Spirit to fill me, guide me, and lead me into discipling someone else? That's the real question. It's not, do I know enough? Am I equipped enough? No, no. Are you going to be obedient enough? So here's how this is going to work. September 17th, we're going to have a disciple maker training right after church. All right, here's what you're going to get on that day. Free lunch. Woohoo! Just rope some of you in just right there. 
you're gonna get your free book, all right? So we're, pur- we're purchasing, uh, for any of you that are coming on the 17th, we're gonna purchase your book for you as a gift saying thank you for being the first ones out the gate. I've already talked to a few of you and say, listen, I want to be a disciple maker, but I can't make the 17th. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to still sign up for the 17th so we know how many books to buy. And then once we figure out who can't make that date, we'll have another date for you guys, all right? So if you say, hey, I wanna make disciples, I wanna be a disciple maker, but I can't make that meeting, still sign up online so we know how many books to pre-buy, and then we'll have another session. Then you can sign up online and go, listen, I want to be discipled, but I don't know who to ask, right? So you sign up online and go, look, I wanna be discipled. Man, that was me. I wanted in church at times be discipled. I just didn't know who to ask. So maybe that's you. You sign up online. Just click the button that says, I want to be disciple and I don't know who to ask. Maybe you go, I want to make disciples. I want to be a disciple maker, but I don't know who to ask, right? You sign up online. So Tom says, I want to be a disciple maker, but I don't know who to ask. Jerry says, I want to be disciple, but I don't know who to ask. That's going to allow us to go Tom meet Jerry, right? You got it, didn't you? Because set you up, got some pre-laughs, because here's the punchline, Jesus can fix Tom and Jerry's relationship, all right? There you go, okay? Sorry, that was bad. You're with me now, though. So you can sign up online. Hey, I want to be a disciple maker, don't know who to ask. Want to be a disciple, don't know who to ask. Maybe you go, I want to make disciples, and I've got somebody. Sign up, let us know. Why we're asking you to do that is because over the course of those four sessions, we're going to come alongside of you as disciple makers and say, hey, how's it going? What do you need? What's going on? How can we help you? Where are you stuck? How can we encourage you and cheer you on? Okay? So take that step. And if you stop and think about it, and you go, okay, why in the world do we do this? I, I mean, why? why? It's easier to just come and consume. It's easier to just stay in a big group and hide. I mean, why in the world make one-on-one disciples? Why, why meet in groups like that? Well, can you just go back to Luke chapter 9 with me? Verse 24, Jesus says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, or your translation may say, soul. That's why it matters. Because Jesus gives us the ultimate paradox in verse 24. If you want to try to save your life, you're going to lose. You're going to lose it. But if you want to have your life saved by Jesus, then you got to give it to him. Whoever tries to save his own life loses it. Whoever loses his life for my name's sake, Jesus says, finds it. And that verse right there at the age of 14 is what God captured my heart with. Right there, that very question in the next verse. What's your soul worth? What's your soul worth? Because your soul, it's eternal. You realize that? Your your soul is eternal. Your soul is so special to God is made in his image. And one day you're going to die and your body's going to be put in the ground. 
but your soul is either going to be in heaven or hell for all of eternity. And Jesus says, what's that soul worth? What are you willing to sell your soul for? Money? Comfort? Prestige? Popularity? What's it worth? Jesus says, you know what your soul's worth to me? Jesus says, your soul is worth my life. Jesus says, your soul's worth my death, my suffering. Because if you come to me and give me your soul, you give me your life, you lose that. But then I give you my life. I give you eternal life. And those verses right there is what God used on me as a 14-year-old that led me one night to pray in my bedroom alone, Lord, I need to follow you. I'm ready to be a believer. I'm ready to be a disciple. And so I want to invite you this morning to just ask yourself, where are you? Where are you? Maybe today you say, listen, I'm not a believer in Jesus. I know that. I just met a gentleman earlier uh, this morning who said last week at the end of our service, he realized I'm not a believer in Jesus and prayed to receive Christ. Maybe that's you. you. That's just where you are. Jesus says, hey, come to me. If you want to come to me, come to me. Maybe today you go, that's me. I'm not a believer in Jesus and I know that. For some of you, you want to say, I've always been a believer. You are like me. I grew up in church. I've always believed. I've always known. No, that's not the way that works. There needs to be a moment in your time. There needs to be a moment in your life where you say, here's where I decided to follow Jesus. Here's where I became a believer. See, you are born, but Jesus says in order to be saved, you need to be born again. And in order to be born again, that doesn't mean you've always believed. That means you had a new spiritual birth. I know in my life there was a moment in time on a Wednesday night in August in my bedroom I prayed to receive Jesus. Now, I don't know the exact date because nobody told me to write it down, all right? So you may not be able to go, hey, what's the exact date? I, I don't know. I don't know what the weather was that day or what time it was or what the date was. Nobody told me to write that down. But I know there is a moment in my life where I said, Jesus, I am making the conscious choice to follow you. Have you done that? Because for some of you, you may go, well, I've always believed, I've always known. No, 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 no. Have you really been born again? Have you really made the decision, I'm going to follow you and be willing to deny myself, take up my cross, and give you my life? Maybe this morning, that's what you need to do. And if you need to do that in a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And what you're going to do during that song is just come right to me. I'm going to be right here. And you can just come and just say I need to talk to you about becoming a believer in Jesus. Something like that. I'm going to know where you're at, and then we're going to talk, and I'm going to pray for you, help you take that next step of faith. Maybe this morning it's to say, listen, I want to be a disciple maker. And Lord, I'm just going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to do what can be hard, but so life-giving and so rewarding, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to make disciples. Maybe that's a prayer you need to pray this morning. You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. 
You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith and we'd love to connect with you, follow up with you and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org connect. Click the decision tab. That's gonna bring up a form for you to fill out. That's gonna come right to me. And we're gonna be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 10.30 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.